Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour time. Woo, back in the studio. Yep, we are back in studio, and uh, it feels great to be back home. Yes. You know, um... Well, should I? I feel like I'm ruining the illusion. We're, we're back in studio. Don't picture us at home. Picture us in the studio. Yeah, picture us in the studio, <laughs> you know, in some like the 40th floor on some high rise. And- exactly. <laughs> Overlooking the whole city of New Hampshire. West Bumfuck. Yeah, West uh-huh. Bumfuck, New Hampshire. <laughs> it's very cosmopolitan out here. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, we are back and it's time for Sex and Science Hour. And, uh, Brian, have you gotten on Steemit yet? Everybody seems oh. to be talking about Steemit. Oh. You can't escape it. No. Every time I go on social media, everyone's like, "Oh, I'm on Steemit." I I'll just made my seven hundred dollars. I made yeah. It it ranges. You know, some people have made like three bucks from their articles. Some people post in a three paragraph autobiographical article with a picture of themselves and make eight thousand dollars. Ten thousand, I think. Now. Ten thousand. Wow. Go figure. Because, I mean, wow, I mean, how much, how interesting of a life is it in three paragraphs? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying he's not an interesting guy, but I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like $10,000 for your bio. I don't think everyone could do that. Um, yeah. But anyway, so everybody seems to be getting on this new platform called Steemit. They're trying to disrupt Facebook by offering, you know, sort of like a competitive advantage. And as I understand it, the people who are behind, were behind uh, BitShares, are behind Steam it, right? Correct. Okay. And so BitShares, um, well, oh let God, me just say, how do you explain BitShares? All right. Let me just say quickly <laughs> that like, I don't think these are like, I don't think the development team, like the guys behind BitShares and all that, I don't really think they're like bad people. No, you know? I think they're great people. Very nice. Yeah. I don't, I don't begrudge anybody who made money on Steam it either. You know, that's there's well, nothing. No, I really don't. I mean, good for them. Like, I'm happy when someone else makes money. It doesn't mean I'm making less money or anything like that. It's just like, wow, how did that happen? You know, it shocks me. Yeah, but did they make any money? Like, that's a good question, right? Because what happens when you try to take the money out of Steemit? Can you actually withdraw it, or like, well, do you get to withdraw I, all of it? If or? I made so, let's back up for a second. Steemit is a platform that lets you basically either create original content or curate content and get paid for it in Steemit bucks, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Steemit dollars. We talked about this years ago. We said Facebook was going to do something like this with Face Bucks. They never did, but well, well, it's a it's an attempt to let people own a part of the platform where they share their content on and get paid for it, hopefully. And um, you know, it's an experiment. 
Yeah. Okay. But they're not. So, so this is really, this is really key. In fact, I'll, I'll let people know, like, here, here's a little talk about revealing, uh, you know, kind of pulling behind the door here or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I already recorded Sovereign Tech, my show yes. this week. And so I've talked, I talk about Steemit on that. So you can hear more about it on there. Oh, you're going to have to wait till tomorrow. Uh, but you're gonna have to wait, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but this podcast is timeless. So it'll be Sovereign Tech it'll that, be well, there forever. There you go. Um, but, <laughs> but I do want to talk about a little bit here. Like on their website, it specifically says that you will get rewards. Oh, that's like, right. Like the exact Where have wording. Where we heard that before? Well, like Pavlov's dog kind of punishments and rewards. Well, I'm going to read the exact line. <laughs> uh-huh. Steam is a blockchain-based social media platform where anyone can earn rewards. That is a very careful term to use. Right. Rewards, not money. Not money. Yeah. Rewards. Not wealth. Yeah. Not. I mean, it's like, an in-game currency. Yeah. You are earning rewards. And so what are the rules around these rewards? And I have a, a shit ton of questions, mm-hmm. you know, around what that actually looks right, like. Right. Because if it's an in-game currency, they can say, OK, well, you can't withdraw it. You know, I, I guess the idea is that you get paid or you get rewards rewards for writing articles and curating content, posting right. it on Steam it based on how many people upvoted and how much clout they have on the platform and stuff. Right. And also for commenting and interacting on other people's articles. And you you get paid in a combination. There's two cryptocurrencies. There's there's Steam it, Steam it back dollars. There's Steam dollars and the, Steam power. There's Steam power and then Steam dollars, right? right. Or Steam it back dollars. Right. That's what I've heard them referred to as. Which the claim is, is that Steam dollars is equal to a one U.S. dollar, which right. according peg- to fucking who? Yeah, I don't know how they do that, <laughs> but somehow it's supposed to be about equal to a dollar. Right. So you can apparently when you make this money on the platform, you can withdraw some of it and go sell it on an exchange and get money bitcoin probably mm-hmm. equivalent to the steam it back dollars but i don't think you can withdraw the steam power because that just gives you cloud on the platform okay. although i don't really know because i haven't tried it yet so i could be wrong so, you well know, if you really want to find out go read their faq or go try it yourself well they have a 44 <laughs> page white paper that they've uh-huh. already admitted that they've changed the the way that that all works or that some of that works so reading the white paper doesn't really get you that that close of a look into the system as is. Well, you know, we're sounding very skeptical about this and we're not knocking it. I mean, sure, try it. It's a cool experiment. I mean, and I'm glad people are having success with it to some degree, I guess. I just don't really get like where the money comes from. You know, it seems to be... Comes out of thin air. Right. It's like where... If it was possible to get paid this much for just generating content... Wouldn't somebody have done it already? I don't know. I mean, okay. Well, people have tried this. Yeah, people have tried it so many times. Right, but generally, well, no, it hasn't failed. I mean, yes, it failed, but that's because people like paid into it, right? Okay, like you would have to pay to be a part of this. Oh, you have to pay to be a part of it, right? Right. And so it's kind of a Ponzi scheme. They give you like seven Steemit dollars when you join, right? Right. Um, I mean, you know, I want to say. I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy that says that I have a problem with this because the people that I hear promoting it mm-hmm. are saying, I just made $500 or I just made $700 or I just made $8,000. Right. That's, that, this is what they're saying. Right. Not, okay? not steam it themselves. This is what the people who are on it. And here's the problem. Are saying, yeah. No, you didn't. You did not make, in fact, I have not one person has told me yet that they have put cash in their hand that their palm has been crossed with silver because, you know, because they posted something on Steemit. Okay. Nobody's told me that. 
And and that's the problem is you did not make seven hundred dollars. Like you're lying to people because you are advertising to people. You're well, trying to create sounds, an- the way it sounds when someone says that. You know, it's like I just made eight thousand dollars in a couple hours. Right. It, you know, like it just sounds like alarm bells and red flags go off right. in my head when I hear that. Right. You know? And they're saying it to try and get a network effect going. Okay. Like like I I really right, I think because then more to- people are going to click on it and they'll get more money. But it's bullshit. It's not true. Okay. Now, now, I mean, and, and I think what some people will say is like, well, you know, the, the, you know, Bitcoin was magic internet money. Like that came out of nothing and all this stuff. Well, right. But the value, this was, this is one of the age old arguments over Bitcoin. The value was in the network itself. The value was in, was in many ways in the transmission, the ability to transmit Bitcoin, not just in the fact it's because people forget that with Bitcoin is that it is. You know, it's PayPal and the U.S. dollar wrapped into one. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the uniqueness. But the value within itself is the system of what it can do, the ability to transmit the network that it has. Okay, now, what's the value in Steam it then? If it just came out of nothing, there must be some kind of inherent value, right? Uh, for it to well, The eat. value is supposedly in the platform, right? Because people are going to buy Steam it. People are going to want to have Steam it back dollars because they think it's going to get more valuable or maybe Steam power. Well, but you need to use Steam Power to vote. Right. So the value is either the voting power, but ultimately it comes down, the value is down to the blog content. Folks, I've read a lot of these blogs on here, and in fact, the most valuable one, like Stephanie already said, is a three-paragraph shot with one picture. And if you're telling me that that's value, that is, I mean, where is Gresham's Law now? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure... Well, that value is subjective, I suppose. Value is subjective, and I agree, that's kind of ridiculous, but like, I think there are valuable there is good content on steam it, mm-hmm. you know, because people are trying to create good content and put it on there. Um, well, but if it's that great of content, then put it up on your site and slap on a couple advertisers, you know, like if it's so goddamn good that it's worth $700, you know, like then, uh, th- then there should be other market mechanisms that could prove it. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of just worry that, you know, the only people who are really going to make any real money out of this are the people who got in super early. You oh, know? I think it's designed for that. Yeah. In fact, I want to recommend, people to follow uh, a tone vase on Twitter. I think it's at tone underscore LLT LLC. Didn't he like rip apart their white paper or he something? Did a line Ethereum by too. Line. He's anti Ethereum. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, we got to stick together. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he does a line by line breakdown of the white paper, which has already been changed, you know, anyway. Uh, and, and I mean, he just eviscerates it. Like it, it it's, it's over. Well, and I don't want to be too hard on the people who created Steam it, you know, like they're, I'm sure, nice guys. I'm sure they're very nice guys and I'm sure they're getting lots of criticisms and stuff. And when you can respond to criticism and take it in a constructive way and improve your platform, everybody's better off for that. Sure. You know, it's just it more of my my problem with Steam it is more like the way that people are talking about it and that, that they make it sound so pure pyramidal you know the scamish right like yeah they make it sound like it's they like it's well a get rich quick kind of thing you know yeah and and who doesn't want to get rich quick but those things don't really work out so i'm scared of getting in, invested in it in any way emotionally financially time-wise whatever and then having it pop or not work out or something yeah. like that so i'm kind of hanging back for the time being i don't know i'm not saying i'm not going to try it but <laughs> well I, I mean i'll say i'm not but, okay but stephanie i think your point was was totally salient and right that mm-hmm. i think the early adopters are the only people that are going to make the real money off of this yeah everybody I else think that's how it's everybody work. else yeah. yeah everybody else is going to get screwed okay and i want to i want to quote ayn rand all right and ayn rand made it very clear that if you are making money off of other people's ignorance that is not a virtuous pursuit 
Like that, <laughs> like that is, and, and I think that's exactly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. fine. The early people are in, well, the early people made the money. Fuck them. Okay. Let, they made their money. Fine. Then There's they, a lot then of people done. out there making money off of people's ignorance. I've, I mean, join any email list and they're, yeah. <laughs> Well, they know then. most people yeah. don't actually even read the products they buy. They're just like looking for a feel good kind of rush <sighs> when they buy it. it. It drives me nuts. The I, whole online marketing thing is so it's such a sketchy world. You know, there's is. not many people with. It really is, real. Stephanie. I mean, I I love I you know I love your 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 diplomacy in the matter. I I am just like I, well, people say you know I get comments all the time like Brian, why is Brian so negative? He hates everything. <laughs> Brian's just like anti everything. Well, it's not true. And in no, fact, it's not I, true. I can go down the list. There's technologies I love. I am so excited about VR. I I love uh, 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 cryonics. Yeah, um, you were you were up on Bitcoin. You I know, love Bitcoin from the beginning. You know, you never said a bad thing about Bitcoin, except that the community got shitty well, at, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the technology I think is fantastic. Yeah, you know, like I, I'm totally on board. And of course, we're not not ever not all of you not the whole computer community right okay right brian just had complaints about it yeah at anyway a point right but i mean you, you know yeah thank you stephanie so <laughs> do, do we want to get on to something else or we have more to we say we do did you okay another thing that's been going on this week besides steam it it's been all on social media everything's been about did you hear the government came out with a study that says you don't have to floss what your teeth not butt floss your teeth oh um oh, okay <laughs> I rather like butt floss, you know, thongs, those bikinis that people wear. I love thongs. I know. You've been trying to find a good thong for so long. You know, maybe someone could send us a link if you have a source of male thongs, preferably leopard print. Right, Brian? Yeah, I take leopard print. Yeah, or black, of course. I mean, yeah. that goes without saying, because everything you do wear is triple black. But Yeah, oh, I used to wear, like, in Florida. That was the only place I could find good thongs. That's where they uh-huh. sell them. And then they, they like, Hanes sells Because these- of all the strippers, right? Well, yeah, strippers and just being on the beach and everything looking good. You know, that's great. Yeah. And so, well, I, I'd wear a pink one. I'm just saying. Well, listeners, show at sexandsciencehour.com or use the contact link on our website. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. That's right. You could even buy one for him. You should put it on your, or a large. If we get a good link and it's on Amazon, Brian will put it on his Amazon wish list and then you can buy Brian a thong and know that it's between his cheeks. That's the closest you're ever going to get to Brian's butt. <laughs> See, I don't like wearing thongs, but I like looking at other people wearing them. Mm. If they have a nice butt, of course. That, Absolutely. I mean, but what is a nice butt? It's also subjective, just like what is good content on steam it so anyway back to the back to the (laughs) dental floss um so an invest this is from the scientists and i by the way i got a ton of show prep from the scientists this week an investigation spearheaded by the associated press has turned up a woeful lack of evidence pointing to a tangible health benefit related to the u.s government's recommendation that americans floss every day for maximal dental health the evidence they say is for flossing is quote weak very unreliable of quote very low quality and carries a quote moderate to large potential for bias AP reporter Jeff Don wrote in a story explaining the investigation. The government has issued its flossing advice since 1979 in a Surgeon General's report and in the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which must be supported by scientific evidence. Professional dentistry associations and thousands of dentists throughout the country have made the same recommendation for decades. But last year, when the AP asked the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Agriculture to provide scientific evidence to support the recommendation, the agencies admitted that the benefits of flossing have never been adequately studied in rigorous scientific experiments. Oh, boy. So, so everybody's freaking out about this. And they're saying, hallelujah, we don't have to floss our teeth anymore. 
Now, and I don't think that's right. I think the biggest deal about this is that it's a scandal which was uncovered by journalists, not scientists, Mm -hmm. journalists, okay, which are notorious for not being super scientific. The scandal here is that the government made this recommendation without scientific evidence to back Ah, it up. Yes. Okay, that shows that, you know, whether it was the dentist lobby or the floss companies or whoever, they somehow got influenced to say, yeah, it's a good idea to floss your teeth without really testing that idea, right? Um, I don't think this means that flossing is bad or flossing is not good. Right. I, I I think the question may be still open, but it seems like flossing might have benefits. Now, I know I know flossing has been studied in other ways like for example, um when you have gingivitis, I think, mm-hmm. or when you have like weaknesses in your gums, bacteria or when you have like a dental abscess that gets infected in your mouth, yeah. there's a danger that bacteria from your mouth can get into your bloodstream and they can get stuck on your heart valves and cause endocarditis. Right. And then actually there's an increased risk of death, I think, after people have dental procedures done. Um, they can have sudden cardiac death and it might be because of this bacteria thing in the heart. So, you know, you could say that maybe flossing aggravates that, right? If you're causing bleeding in your gums, but if you have healthy gums to begin with, which you get by flossing and stimulating your gums, (laughs) then maybe you don't bleed when you floss. So I don't fucking know. I mean, (laughs) well, I know it feels good when I floss my teeth because it feels like they're clean, but is that good or bad? I know that if you don't floss your teeth and then you give someone oral sex and you're conver- and you're concerned about contracting HIV, mm. it actually decreases the risk of HIV transmission to not floss your teeth for like, I don't know, a day or a few hours before you do that. Oh, wow. Right. Because it causes micro tears in the mouth. I guess if you floss or you brush really hard, it causes like abrasions, microscopic abrasions in the mouth that the HIV particles could get into your bloodstream. Now, I don't know if that's a reason not to ever floss your teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe if you're on your way to a one night stand where you're not sure if your partner might be HIV positive and you haven't talked to them about it. I don't know. It seems like a flimsy benefit. Right. But, you know, I think potentially the jury's still out on flossing, although it seems like why wouldn't it be a good idea if you brush your there was a person in this article Okay, so somebody from the American Dental Association and the Academy of Periodontology. So someone completely entrenched in the dental system, if you're in that conspiracy camp. (laughs) Someone entrenched in the dental system said, acknowledged the weakness of published evidence pointing to flossing's benefits, but largely stuck stuck to their existing advice. He said, it's like building a house and not painting two sides of it. Yeah. Ultimately, those two sides are going to rot away quicker. And that makes total sense, right? I agree. I agree. I mean, you know what? Actually, just real quick, what comes up for me is what did people do before toothpaste and toothbrush i know i often ask that question and my dentist when i ask that question there she's like well they just their teeth just rotted out of their faces i don't believe that, that i don't quite believe that, that either doesn't make sense. now there's the native americans and the weston a price thing where they have healthy teeth because they eat a healthy diet and they eat lots of vegetables and no sugar to clean off their teeth and they have good mouth flora to protect them I'm going to keep flossing. Yeah, I'm going to keep flossing, too. I'm going to keep flossing, too. But I think there is probably something to that whole... 
probiotics thing. You know, like we're just discovering there, there's good and bad bacteria in the gut, and you have to have a good balance of those to maintain healthy weight and blood sugar and, you know, not have leaky gut and have be protected from gut infections and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now there's skin flora, like we talked about on our unshowering episode, where <laughs> if you have these good balance of skin flora, then you won't stink, even if you don't use soap. Right. Okay. So... There's mouth flora, too. Mouth is part of the gut. The mouth has its own community of microbes. And, you know, they say there's this bacteria called streptococcus mutans, I believe, that um, converts sugar into plaque at a very high rate okay. and is responsible for a lot of plaque and and is, like, found in cavities and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe there's pro- maybe in the future there'll be probiotic mouthwashes to protect us against that stuff. But in the meantime, I mean, I think like just getting the rotten food particles out from between your teeth sounds like a good idea, don't you think? I I totally agree. Uh, I mean, I you know, I even remember using like those water pick things. Oh uh, yeah, which is like well, those are like unnatural. But well, it's extreme flossing. But I mean, (laughs) your but like your mouth feels so good after using one of those. And I mean, what you know, what more can I go on? It's like, no, my mouth feels great. Why the hell wouldn't I do that? Or, right. you know, I know a lot of people that, that had bad breath until they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take up flossing or something. <laughs> take it up like knitting. Yeah. It's like you just take up a hobby. Yeah. So I, I again, I'm going to keep flossing. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're into the second segment now. We kind of started on the science before. Oh, we're just going to let it ride? Yeah, we're just, we're just going to let it ride. I'm, I don't feel like Man, fixing that in post. We talked completely through the bumpers. Do not look behind the curtain. This, All right. The segments are just kind of melding into one, in, one another. Um, but you know what I want to talk about in this segment? We got an email. Um, we're going to go into listener email a little bit early because it relates. Okay. Um, we got an email. Oh, no. Before that, I'm sorry. We So on deck, we have a listener email about male versus female orgasms. But first, uh, now this is going to seem boring by comparison, but I think it's interesting in it's our science tease, segment. <laughs> first, we're going to talk about how your nose got its shape. This is also from the scientist, with which all my show prep comes from the scientist this week. <laughs> Thank you, scientist. By Karen Zussi. And... Uh, she says, climate variation has sculpted our schnozzes since the earliest humans evolved, but environmental pressures can't explain everything. So basically what happened was researchers found these genes. There's like five genes that control the shape of your face during fetal development. The face? The face. Exactly. Okay, the face. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they say... Um, you know, the climate shaped people's, uh, the shape of people's nose and therefore their nostrils and their nasal turbinates. The point of the nose is to filter and warm up the air before it goes into your lungs and humidify it. And so, of course, if you live in a tropical climate, the air doesn't really need to be processed that much. So you can have a pretty direct route into your lower respiratory tract. Mm-hmm. And you don't need much of a much of a serious nose. But people who lived in colder climates, they needed to do more to the air. So they have longer and taller and narrower uh, sinuses. I knew it. The yeah. Jews are supposed to live in the cold. I feel so validated. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jews have huge noses usually. Well, isn't that the point? Like, cause, you know, I don't know. I, if you're in a I warmer even, climate, you need a smaller nose. Right? I cannot even speculate. Okay, I was having fun. No, if you're a warmer, if you're in a warmer climate, you usually have a wider and flatter nose. A wider and flatter. That's what they say. And then, if you lived in a cold climate, you'd have a taller, narrow sinuses, so like a more narrow nose. Hmm. Okay. So. Just stop it with the Jew jokes. I'm no sorry. more speculation. It throws a wrench in the whole lizard thing, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, 
I know. Darn it, right? <laughs> Aren't we disappointed? You should post that on Steam at your your theory. Oh, there it is. Jewish yeah. noses. <laughs> then I'll make I'll make oh, all right, I'm stopping. Go, 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 go. <laughs> the the human nose, says Karen, comes in a myriad shapes and sizes, but no matter how noses look, they all share at least one common function to warm and humidify air on the way to the lungs. Like a wind tunnel, the nasal passages cause turbulence in inspired air, allowing it to touch the inner walls of the nose and draw moisture and heat from our mucosa and blood vessels. The shape of the human nose has been sculpted by, in part by climate. It depends on where your ancestors grew up and the environment there, says Lauren Butarek, a biological anthropologist at Des Moines University. What you see um, in the cartilaginous structure, which matches up with the internal structure, is that individuals from cold, dry environments tend to have tall and narrow nasal cavities. In the wide noses often seen in individuals with tropical ancestry, Butaric adds, the airflow is much smoother, traveling straight back with less warming and humidification. So, and then basically, I'm going to skip to the end because it's a little bit longer, but basically they found these five genes that affect bone and cartilage development and craniofacial development, that's head and face development Mm -hmm. in the fetus. And three of them have been known before, but two of them are new. And a couple of these genes are known to be different between modern humans and extinct hominids like Neanderthals and Denisovans, Uh both of which had a slightly different nose shape than Homo sapiens. So isn't that interesting? I think it is. Uh, That's, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't think about it. Something as simple as the nose. I I would be interested, like, what is the kind of, what is the reason for an oily nose? (laughs) Well, that's probably hormonal. So the reason for an oily nose is, I can answer that. Okay. Your skin makes this stuff called sebum Mm -hmm. um, and uh, hormones like testosterone And to a lesser degree, the female sex hormones and androgens, which come about when humans go through puberty, Uh stimulate oil production and sebum production in the in all the glands of the body, but especially areas like the face. And it's it tends to collect and pool around the sides of the nose because there's like an anatomical thing there. So the more testosterone you have, and especially when you're a teenager and you're going through puberty and you're trying to regulate your hormones and they're raging, you have a lot of sebum and it can clog up the pores and mix with dead skin cells. There's also a bacteria that's associated with acne called Propionobacterium acnes. Microbiology. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just want to say I have an oily nose. Okay. So now high testosterone. I'm, you're high bald testosterone, and you have a high oily I, nose. T- testosterone hormones raging. That big, is me to a, a huge <laughs> brain and feet. <laughs> brain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Baldness <laughs> is also a sign of um, high testosterone and there's some kind of, it gets converted to like, there's this 5-alpha reductase enzyme that everybody talks about that converts testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. And if you have a high ratio of DHT to testosterone, it causes the hair on your head to fall out at the top of the head. Uh-huh. Nobody knows why it's this pattern where the sides remain, <laughs> but it kind of creeps down. Um, but that happens with males. And then there are five alpha reductase inhibitors that people can take to grow hair on their head and also do other things like shrink their size of their prostate. Now you're a man, a man, 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 man. <laughs> wow, that was great karaoke. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. this is interesting about the nose though i mean like that that there is a reason for like shape and everything there it's is. not just a role the genetic you know uh pretty lottery there is and you know we have we have this friend i think we talked about it on his podcast once but we have a friend who is a white man but he has a very wide flat nose and 
He thinks his nose looks like maybe more like a black person. <laughs> <laughs> and it brings up the question of like, what is black and white? You know what I mean? Mm. Like sometimes people associate nose shape with race and right. Like they said in this article, it's associated with your ancestry and like the climate that your ancestors grew up in. Right. But if you see a person with light skin, but a wide nose, like, what do you think? Right. When, what would you think if you, what would your brain say about what race they are? I mean, I know it doesn't really matter, but yeah, to some people, they do treat people differently based on what race they perceive them as. And so it's interesting to like figure that out. Like, and once you, once you really get into that stuff, you realize that race is just, it's, it really is a social construct. It's yeah. made up. Yeah. There's no like, there's no exact definition. It's like, you have to say, Oh, I know it when I see it. Right. And what about people who are of mixed ancestry? Right. And how do what do you do with them? Right. Mm-hmm. And there was this, um, there was this idea, like the dif- the definition of different races changes over over time. Historically, um, Jews used to be called black. Irish used to be called yes, black. The Jew and Negro, actually. And there Irish was a book is called that. Yes, right. Yeah. You can't just say that without throwing out the context. The title of the, that, that right. was the title of the book. <laughs> People are going to hear that and say, like, "Somebody get a filter in here, please." <laughs> <laughs> I need an adult. All right, go ahead. Well, I'll try, but I don't know if I can be an adult. <laughs> but but yeah, like different, you know, Irish people were considered, Italian people were considered black at one time yes. in America. And obviously nowadays we don't consider Irish people of Irish and Italian descent black. Right. It's African descent. And, you know, what about, so yeah, the whole thing, like when you really start to unpack it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But noses are one of those things that often telegraph to people like what ancestry or what race people are and when you think about um i don't know when you think about noses just evolved to process the air we breathe or our ancestors breathe in different ways i mean it all starts to be even more silly so (laughs) there you go so okay let's get into our next topic which is a listener email actually and now we're gonna get sexy okay we did all the science we're gonna get sexy now um so this person emailed us about male versus female orgasms and it's anonymous listener they're they use the contact form on our website so you can be truly anonymous they said this definitely seems like something that should be discussed on sex and science hour as someone who's had sex with both men and women i'm very interested in hearing stephanie's opinion i don't know if he's saying or they're saying that i've had sex with men and women which i have or that they've had sex the listener has had sex with men and women they're probably saying they have as well yeah i'm gonna go with both okay we're both buys (laughs) we're assuming here so please don't hold this up in a court of law So they sent us a YouTube video, which we're going to play the audio on the show. Um, It's from a YouTube channel called ASAP Science. And they said this channel has quite a few other interesting videos on sex topics. And I actually checked them out and they do have a lot of interesting videos. Oh, yeah. I know of them. Maybe we'll bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. they said they were disappointed that uh, male-male couples were not brought up in this video. And they do mm. bring up lesbian couples, but not gay men. So, um, oh, my God, I just realized that was you clicking. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to play the video and we're going to commentate on it. Are you ready, Ryan? All right, live go. commentary. Despite being an amazing, near-universal phenomenon, there's still a lot of speculation around the orgasm's function and value. But what are the differences between male and female orgasms Best that we know of? Best use of ukulele music I've ever To start, the length of a woman's orgasm is longer than men, lasting around 20 seconds or more, while most males tend to last around 3 to 10 seconds. 
but men have more orgasms. Oh, just the orgasm. In a national okay. Australian survey of heterosexual right. sex, Not the researchers sex. found that men had an orgasm in 95% of encounters, while women did only 69% of the time. Okay, so men However, come a lot, women don't come have less to do with gender and more to do with the types of sex you're having. For example, a study of single Americans aged 21 to 26 found that while straight and gay men's rate of orgasm is similar, the rate of orgasm for women varies significantly by sexual orientation. Mm. Lesbians have around 12% more orgasms than straight women during sex, with 25% of gay women saying Gee, I wonder why that is. I don't doubt Could that. Could it be because women know each other's bodies better? <laughs> this may be related to the duration of sexual encounters, as lesbian couples report an average length of 30 to 45 minutes in comparison to the average 15 to 30 minutes by straight women. Okay, Other right. it takes them twice genetics. as long, a study of 4, but twice as good. likely to have an orgasm. predicts right. yeah. a third of the probability that a woman <laughs> orgasms sex during sex. Win. But what about the way an orgasm feels? A study of college students asked men and women to describe their experience of an orgasm and then later took out the words related to specific genitals. And it turns out that there was very little distinguishable difference between the sexes. Okay, Regardless so of your gender, the, the brain same. stimulates blood flow to the genitals and your heartbeat and breathing increase. And while PET scans show significant differences in activation patterns during sexual arousal, brain activity during an orgasm itself is the same between men and women. The William lateral orbital frontal cortex, which right controls <laughs> self-evaluation, reason, and control, shuts down in all genders, which makes sense as you often lose control during an orgasm. And the similarities don't stop there. Both genders get drowsy after orgasm yeah. due to the surge in the sleepy hormone prolactin. Interestingly, four times as much prolactin is released after intercourse compared to orgasm achieved via masturbation, meaning you don't get as sleepy after a solo session. And while we once thought that spontaneous orgasms during sleep, otherwise known as wet dreams, were only for men, one study reports that 37% of women have had nocturnal orgasms, oh, yeah. and 30% had had one in the past I can year. verify that. <laughs> Even multiple <laughs> orgasms, a phenomenon thought to be exclusively for women, as they lack a refractory period, has been seen in men as well. Though male yep. orgasms generally happen simultaneously with ejaculation, research has documented that men are capable of non-ejaculatory orgasm that can occur prior to as well as after ejaculation. This shared experience of the orgasm makes sense from an evolutionary perspective. Just like when you see someone cry and feel sad for them because you understand it, observing or being part of a partner's orgasm can enhance the desire and experience of your own. Now that's interesting. If we interesting. had completely it's different orgasms, thing. that same connection wouldn't That reminds it. me of something At I'll end talk of the day, about. While sexual arousal may be different between men and women, major differences in orgasm experience likely come down to the individual level. Differences in physiology, anatomy, and our psychology play a huge role. So get to know your own body to optimize your sexual experiences. You can always learn even more about sexual pleasure during your solo sessions in our video, Is Masturbation Good For You? Link in the description below. And a special that. thanks to Audible for supporting yeah. oh, this episode and to give you a free 30-day trial at audible.com. Wow. So, I mean, ASAP. yeah, it sucks that they didn't this week Go we wanted to recommend mail. the book, But What If We're Wrong? Yeah. Which questions everything we they think did. we know in today's world and how it might appear to those in the far future. They did Pretty briefly neat. mention you can get it. A free they said, trial like, at with gay men, they and choose have from a orgasms a similar rate of time. Love them as they're great sex. when you're on the go. Mm-hmm. But they and didn't go into more depth like with the lesbian videos. couples. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that's the so, end of the video. Thank you, ASAP Science. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Again, it. I, I believe like I like a lot of that makes sense just upon my own anecdotal, you know, personal experience on, mm-hmm. on a lot of that is absolutely true. I mean, I, I say it all the time. 
men cannot please women the way women can please women. I mean, and I'm just saying they're different. I'm not necessarily one is, you know, somehow superior to the other, perhaps. I mean, one could argue that and I'd, I'd accept, you know, a person's opinion. They're different. Uh, yeah. They're different. And I mean, you know, there's this thing with, with gay, gay sex where a lot of times when people are gay virgins, like they really have a lot of homophobia like internalized homophobia that Mm -hmm. they may not have even realized they had where their first time it just feels really weird it's like oh this is strange i'm not used to this like i don't know if we should be doing this but it's a psychological thing not like yeah it can definitely be overcome you know like there's so much conditioning that tells us oh this is wrong you're not supposed to be doing this like even just little things like seeing every couple you see on tv is a man and a woman right Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that can take a little bit of getting used to. And of course, with every new partner, there's some getting used to. Yeah. But yeah, I think there there is something to be there is something to be said for just like when you have the same equipment in general as somebody else, um, you're going to know what to do with yeah, it. You know better. Your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you know what to do with somebody with the other type of equipment. Now, I think it's hilarious that. You go to any major city and there's like blowjob classes for women about yep. like how to please a man and things like that. And you, usually they're taught by gay guys. Yeah. Um, which, why would you not, right? Like, oh, it just that's makes a sense. Perfect, <laughs> a person, perfect person to teach. But, you know, you don't see many classes for men that they attend to try to learn how to please women. And I think there's a reason for that because men, a lot of men think that they don't have to try especially if they're good looking and they get laid easily, Mm -hmm. they don't have to try to learn how to please women. Oh, they don't think they have to do much in the bedroom either. Exactly. They really, you know. And this has been borne out by science. You know, the the best looking men that I've ever slept with or hooked up with or dated, they were, they had the least to offer in bed. Yeah. I'm talking about conventionally good looking. Conventionally, yeah, I know what you mean. Like you know, football player, frat guy. Yeah, yeah, You know, kind of thing. No, I understand. And so anytime I see like, you know, once I figure that out, Anytime I would see a conventionally hot guy and I'd think, oh, he's attractive, you know, then the next thing I'd think is, oh, he's probably terrible in bed. I'm yeah. not even going to bother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, but, it's the old saying, he's Dean in the streets, but he's a bean in the sheets. You know, like he, he I've just I've never sucks. heard that. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. Absolutely. Now the guys that were the best in bed were the nerdy guys. Yeah. Because the all guys, they do is think about sex. And especially, no. <laughs> yeah, right. All they do is think about sex. And I grew up and I was overweight and nerdy and I was like- the thought process I had was like, oh, shit, I am going to have trouble finding a partner because nobody's going to because society told me nobody's going to want me because I'm fat mm. and overweight. And th- this was like my process at the time. Yeah. I had self-esteem stuff going on. But I was like, OK, so I have to compensate for that by having a really great personality, being really cool, making myself attractive in other ways and learning to be really good in bed. And I did. Sure. And I think that goes both ways for both genders. Yeah, it can. I mean, and again, we're talking conventionalism, right? Conventionalism. But, you know, the the best combination is to find someone who was nerdy, who who is nerdy and maybe was not as good looking in the past, but then recently has gotten in shape or something like that and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> given yeah. themselves sort of a makeover. And then you get the best of both worlds because they're good looking and they're also good. In bed. So, I mean, not a hard and fast rule, but um, just, you know, general observations. Now, I, I cut you off, Brian. What were you going to say? Oh, that's okay. I, I mean, I have a couple points I want to bring up. Uh, one is, you know, to, to address your point about that idea that there aren't really like classes for men, you know, to learn how to, you know, be really, you know, great with a woman or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, this is, I think this is very true. And in fact, I had a, I had a partner years ago who she 
like one of her greatest fantasies, like little fantasy stories that she'd play in her head was that there was a school where guys learned how to fucking please women. <laughs> you know, but I mean, but like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, it drove her wild. Oh, I mean, she loved great. thinking about that, you know, and I'd, I'd role play with her, or whatever. So, but I mean, <laughs> like the, the point, you know, the point being is that that's real. There's a reason that fantasy was so hot for her because it doesn't fucking exist. You <laughs> right. know, it is a fantasy. <laughs> it's right? a fantasy. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of books. There's like, um, She Comes First by Ian Kerner. And yeah. then there's a few other ones. There's, but, but again, like they're written by men. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. sure there's books out there written by women or by lesbians. Sure, but there's... they're just. Why is the one written by men the most popular? Not saying anything bad about Ian Kerner. It's not his fault that he's a guy, and yeah. he wrote a great book. And it's not a problem to be a guy. Yeah, <sighs> but you know, I I read a. Also, I want to promote a book. Um, by the way, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. If it's you want to get of any these. of these books, someone actually did get She Comes First once on our affiliate link, which uh-huh. is a great purchase. I recommend it. Um, if you want to learn about. Uh, all aspects of pleasing women, especially if you're a girl yourself or if you're someone who is a woman, identifies as a woman, whatever, um, check out Girl Sex 101 by Allison Moon. I love that book. And yeah. not it, it doesn't jump into just how to have sex with women. It's like, first, how to talk to women. Right. How to flirt with women, how to like get yourself psyched up for it. And then there's this cute like road trip story going through the book. It, it's like <laughs> mixed with factual information. There's lots of drawings and pictures, and it's very um, friendly to all genders and sexual orientations. It's trans friendly, it's everything, you know, so it's very inclusive. I really recommend it's Girl Sex 101 by Allison Moon. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll toss one out there before I get to my second point, and that is uh, Dr. Paul Joannidis. Um, oh yeah, he did the ninety seconds on sex podcast, which yes. you you put in Sovereign Tech every week. Yeah, I, for years I did. For that. years I've, until I've taken he ran it out, out recently. <laughs> he's, uh, he hasn't made any new ones for yeah. a while, but he's he's got a great um, his book, uh, the guy, the guide to getting it to on, getting it on. Yeah, that's great. An awesome it's book. illustrated. It's just a wonderful. It's in multiple. Like it's not like it's fifth edition now because it's so popular. It's such a great book. It, uh, I love that book. Yeah. Um, you know that taught me a lot about sex ed. It is the only criticism of that book, which isn't necessarily a criticism. It's just a focus. That book is he chose and I've heard him interviewed about the book. Mm-hmm. So he consciously chose to focus on heterosexual sex. Yeah, that is a problem. Yep. So but but if you're gay or if you're bi or what anything in between pansexual, whatever, um, you know, just cut just, and paste. It, right. You know, just take what you can <laughs> from it. It's it's you know, the language isn't always necessarily uh exactly the best for you but you can still learn stuff from it and i mean just adapt it to your needs yeah now my second point uh is you know i I was intrigued by the evolutionary uh uh, comments in that video Mm -hmm. and you got to be careful with those like evolutionary psychology gets used in all kinds of ways and it gets very very strange Mm -hmm. uh and people come with just fucked up you know conclusions uh, that that blow my mind but um but you know it kind of reminds me this is something uh christopher ryan has talked about Mm -hmm. of course sex at dawn uh, where he said that, you know, like the, the, the concept of moaning and actually Paul Jonides has talked about this too, where the concept of moaning, like it kind of, it almost sounds like a sobbing. It'll, it sometimes it sounds like a crying. In fact, I love in uh, purple rain, the movie purple rain mm-hmm. uh, that Prince made, there's a point in it where he's bringing Apollonia to his house and he hears this woman moaning, you know, like, like the, he's playing this tape of a woman moaning, not, not a videotape, but an audio. And Apollonia is like, oh, well, it sounds like she's having a great time. He says, well, it's crying played backwards. Oh, wow. And it does sound like it. It's true. You could do the experiment yourself, and that's yeah. what it sounds like. Um, but anyway, I think the, a lot of those sounds, a lot of those grunts, you know, noisy sex and all that stuff is a, is because, you know, sex is a social component uh, as much, if not more so, 
than it is a creative component, than it is a yeah. procreation component. Chris Ryan said he thinks it's to to call people over. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just like the orgasm is meant to draw you closer. Like when you hear somebody sobbing, I mean, the moans and all this stuff is, hey, hey, you know, the party going on. You know what I mean? Or something <laughs> right. like that. You know, I mean, not that everybody's invited, uh-huh. but, um, you know, th- I think that's that's a key part of it. A lot of people miss that, that the sounds of sex you know, are something, and it's sad because in our in our society today, we're kind of told to be very quiet about these things because you know we're living in apartments. Yeah, some we're all put really in like rats, back. and they hold back. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's part of it, man. <laughs> that's that's it's you know, it's how you get it. But. So you like a lot of noise. I mean, I like I like to make noise when I feel like it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes yeah. it can be a performance. Like yep. the guy expects you to make a bunch of noise. That, and, that, oh, it's so good. Oh my yeah. god! Like for his ego, yeah. right? But it's I like to make noise if I feel like making exactly. noise, but not if somebody else wants me to. No, so. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying that I think to some degree, like the whole concept of noise during sex is sort of being artificially stifled mm-hmm. uh, at times, not all the time. And it's all about what people want. Absolutely. So there you go. Yeah. So um, so the video was really interesting. First of all, I think, you know, it's kind of pointless trying to compare whose orgasms are better. Right. Sure. Um, the video was just kind of taking a curious scientific look at the differences maybe between yeah. that we know about between male and female. And I like how they said that, too. Like the first sentence was something like these are the differences that we know of between male and female orgasms and it went through a bunch of studies mm-hmm. so it was very scientific and i like that um it, and it really is like we'll never be able to know like yes there are transgender people but it to get the experience of someone who is born in a male or female body the average experience of like the majority of people yeah i i feel like it's hard to experience both in the same body, you know? Yeah, until we really develop telepathy. Like, it's just not going to... Yeah. yeah, but I thought it was really interesting um, about the empathetic component. Like, mm-hmm. if you see your partner have an orgasm, it makes you more likely to. And Absolutely. I, that's been my experience, definitely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's a, that's why it's such a huge turn-on to know that you're giving pleasure to someone else and to see that manifest in the form of an orgasm. Yeah, it's always great to have that physical manifestation of things. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. And in so. fact, like I think I've known that for a while because I've like I think I've known it instinctually because every time I see my partner like having trouble, I always like, you know, just play up I just kind of play up a little bit like how much fun I'm having and yeah. that usually puts them over the edge, right? There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with showing it. You know, like if you're feeling pleasure, show it and your partner will feel it too. And that's part of the connection that's involved in sex. And Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's great. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I said, I agree with largely with like what that video had to say, and particularly the fact that like women on women mm-hmm. like that is something special. You know, that is <laughs> yeah, really but special. they still don't have the. Uh, you could say guy on guy is special too because oh sure, they, <laughs> sure. I mean, guys guy are moaning guy too. I mean, women. come on, boys. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, it, it was interesting that lesbian couples have a higher rate of orgasm for the women than straight couples do. Uh huh. Um, but you know, gay men or male, female couples, the males have a very high rate of orgasm as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Higher than women in any situation. Yeah. I think it would be true for straight. Yeah. I mean, it's not my bag, but, and, and, but I have no problem with it. I'm just saying that like, you know, I, I imagine male, male, all the, all those same statistics would end up about the same. Have you ever done like orgasm Olympics? Like, have you tried to like enhance your orgasms in any way? Sure, absolutely. How have you tried to do that? What have you done? I mean, like beyond just uh, like the foods that I eat and oh, so you've tried foods? So, yeah, we talked about uh, yeah, I've talked about those before. I've wondered if you ever have done Kegels or done like any prostates. St- yeah, there's the multi orgasmic man. There's try that. <laughs> yeah, no hard um, limit. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, there's that book, The Multi-Orgasmic Man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I messed with that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it, it just takes a lot of time. Like It does. You know, it does that, take a lot of time. And that's the only thing. Not that I don't have the time or whatever. Just, mm-hmm. you know, well... This would be a long drawn out subject, but I have tried it, and yeah, I mean, at times project. it works. Well, it's not just a long term project; like, there's other variables involved. But. Right? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely tried to see what I can, like, see how many I can have in a row, and mm-hmm. I've tried to like strengthen them, and I've tried to teach myself to have orgasms via different methods because right. I know if you change it up, it's it it gets easier. Like, yes. If you get used to having an orgasm one way, like for instance, a vibrator is like a common problem a lot of women have. And then they get with a partner and they can't have an orgasm because they're so locked into that one pathway. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that can get them off. So you have to change it up once in a while. And then that makes it easier all around. Right. Um, so I've done that and I've done, uh, I don't know. I, I, a lot of experimentation has been done, but there's more to do. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So Fair enough. So finally, we're going to end off this segment with um, why did female orgasm evolve? This was also in The Scientist this week. So basically, this is by, um, this is by Jeff Axt. And he says that he's reporting on some uh, studies that basically there's been speculation that f- human female orgasms evolved because, well, maybe it, it helps the woman get pregnant, right? It's like always about getting mm-hmm. pregnant and babies. And there doesn't seem to be any evidence for that. Okay. Then they're like, well, maybe it's just a vestige from the male orgasm, you know, because it's similar embryonic structures. And maybe it's just like leftover from the male. And the male orgasm is the most important because it shoots out the cum and makes <sighs> the babies. That's pretty male centric, and that yeah. seems not to be the case. And why would it be so? Why would it be so complex and so intact in so many people mm-hmm. if it was just like a leftover vestige with no point? So these researchers are saying that in animals that ovulate when they actually have sex, like alpacas, right? Uh, and I know this because I <laughs> narrated an alpaca breeding audiobook. Oh, um, that was hot. <laughs> It wasn't meant to be hot. Well, it was just yeah, meant to be like veterinary clinical. It hypnotizes. And, so the and way they... alpacas meet or breed is induced ovulation. The male actually sings a vocalization to the female. She goes Aww. into a trance. They have sex and she ovulates. So with animals that have induced ovulation like that, like sheep and other animals, they have a clitoris inside their vagina. Wouldn't that be nice, ladies, huh? Mm. Um, and they, <laughs> that's what triggers the ovulation. So these scientists are saying maybe that was what... Maybe that was how female orgasms got... It's like a leftover from induced ovulation. I don't know if I buy it. Hey, we're back. We didn't really go anywhere (laughs) to begin with. This is Sex and Science Hour. So, we got another listener email. And don't worry, we're still going to stay sexy. I hope we answered the other person's question. I don't know if we just rambled or if we answered it, but I hope they're satisfied. I hope they're left satisfied from this discussion. I, I hope they're satisfied as well. We got another listener email from Loner. And Loner Loner sent us an article called There Isn't Really Anything Magical About It. Why More Millennials Are Avoiding Sex by Tara Barampour from the Washington Post. Yeah, you know, I shared a very, I think, maybe addressing the same issue. Like, or I I didn't share it. I put it, you know, in our show notes. uh, But I think it was from Gizmodo. But let's read from the Washington Post. So, okay, (laughs) this is a great article. Interesting. We can deconstruct it. So 
Sam Way, a 26-year-old financial analyst in Chicago, has not had sex since her last relationship ended 18 months ago. She makes out with guys sometimes and she likes to cuddle, but she says, to me, there's more intimacy with having someone there next to you than you can rely on, that you can rely on without having to have sex, she said. I don't want to do anything that would harm the relationship and be something we can't come back from. Um, boy... How would you feel if an article about you started out with the fact that you haven't had sex for a year and a half? <laughs> like, that's pretty bal- ballsy of her to put that yeah, out there. Yeah, that's ballsy. And, and know that she's going to be judged by people. Uh, it's a less sexy time to be young than it used to be, says the article, despite millennials' reputation as bedhoppers frolicking like the characters on Girls. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Like, the data says that millennials are not as sexual as the older generations say that they are. It's just that it's something that older generations always say about younger generations, that they're everybody's fucking everybody and it's anarchy and the sky's falling, right? (laughs) (laughs) A study published Tuesday, says the article in the journal Archives of Sexual Behavior, finds that younger millennials, those born in the 1990s, are more than twice as likely to be sexually inactive in their early 20s as the previous generation was. So in their early 20s, they're having less sex than the previous generation. And this applies, this is younger millennials. Now, Brian, you and I are millennials, technically, but we're older yes. millennials. We're what's right. referred to as older millennials. We're like the older model. We're like Ugh. the 1.0 version of millennials. <laughs> I was born in 84. You were born in 87. 81. 80, 87. I'm sorry, math, wrong way. Yeah, you were 81. born in 81, of course. Um. And so we're we're in the older millennials. I don't know if the study said anything about us in our early 20s, but I know I was having sex in my early 20s. <laughs> um, I don't know about you. I assume you were too. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the younger millennials are not. Now, I would actually guess that if I had to guess a cause for this, I would say it's not cultural. It's not generational. It's not really cultural. It's that they have these fucking student loans and they're stressed about paying them off. They can't get a job. They just finished college. Their degree is not getting them a job. And they're fucking freaking out and putting off their whole life, including relationships, sex, marriage, babies, whatever they want to do, because they're trying like hell to pay off these crushing student loans. Yeah, they're working their asses off. Which they're working is funny, their asses off. Yeah. That, that's what gets you know laid on millennials as well, is that they're lazy and they don't work. It's like, are you fucking oh, kidding that's me? that's bullshit. They're paying for all the bullshit that the previous generation you know like all the social mm-hmm. programs they're, that you came yeah, up with health insurance and, social security yeah all this yeah stuff. i mean no they're working their asses off and if they're not fucking that's why but i would guess because there's nothing that's less sexy than stress yeah i mean you know that's well, my do, theory do you have more you want to read on this yeah i do okay, um do you want to did you want to say something else no no, no go ahead because <laughs> I, I mean i i disagree with the with the statement but go ahead you what statement do you disagree? that millennials aren't stooping but, well, it says older millennials are more sexually active than the younger. Oh, right, 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 right. So right. it doesn't apply to you, Brian. Don't worry about it. They're not saying you're not getting laid. They're saying oh, those geez. born in the 90s are not getting laid. Recent research shows that overall millennials, people born between the early 80s and 2000, have fewer sexual partners than baby boomers and those in Generation X, the group immediately preceding them. Granted, the vast majority of young adults are still having sex, but an increasing number of them appear to be standing on the sidelines. Delaying sex is not necessarily bad, experts say. Being intentional about when to have sex can lead to stronger relationships in the long run. The trend may also reflect that women feel more empowered to say no, said Stephanie Kuntz, director of research at the Council on Contemporary Families. 
as people have gotten more accepting of all forms of consensual sex, they've also gotten more picky about what constitutes consent, she said. We're far less accepting of pressured sex. So that's that's interesting. Um, I really like the line about being intentional about when to have sex. Yeah. Because I think that's what matters most. You know, like talking about consent and um, and intentionality. Like, if you want to have sex with someone or you don't, like... That's fine either way, but do what your intuition and your heart and your brain are telling you based on all the information you have. Do what you truly want to do. Don't, you know, either do it too soon or do it too late for you, depending on what culture says. Listen to yourself. Right. right? And that's being intentional about when to have sex. It's just it's doing what you think is right. Yeah, I, I. So this sounds awfully a lot like what they say is happening in Japan. It does. Yeah. It reminded me of that, too. Yeah. And there's there's a word for that. It's like hikogori or something. Yeah, something yeah, like that. It's some weird term. Um, anyway, you know, and I don't I don't buy that. I don't buy that they're having less sex necessarily. Uh, I mean, like, you know, what makes up a lot of these questions and all that? I think less sex with people. Well, right. There's a, there's definitely <laughs> right. a big part of like, that. They're still watching porn. They're just not having sex with people. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, sex robots in Japan and all this different stuff. I mean, there's a lot of this, uh, you know, a lot of that going on. Um, a lot of these, you know, that, that whole idea of not having sex with people, you know, might be more of what's happening. It's not like the sexual drive has died. Uh, you know, it's, it's just that. And also, I wouldn't be shocked if in Japan, you know, just as an example, like they see... They see that perhaps the family life takes up just a little more time than they're willing to give mm-hmm. up, and they're saying no. Yeah, I am not interested in having this. They are opting out of family yeah. life. Uh, I mean, and believe me, as a guy that's been to Japan many times, there are some good fucking times to be had, and for not an expensive price. <laughs> okay, I, no, I, I'm not just saying Whoa. sex. I'm saying, I, well, you know, I'm You're saying you're talking about sushi, of course. Well, right? sushi, <laughs> you know, but I mean, like, there's so much like cultural, like, I mean, you know, the, the damn, the damn country is like a giant theme park. It's, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's I wild. haven't been, but I would like to go. Well, anyway, uh, keep going if if you want. Okay, well, some experts are concerned. They say about the drop that the drop off reflects the difficulty some young people are having in forming deep romantic connections. They cite other reasons for putting off sex, including pressure to succeed, social lives increasingly conducted on screen, unrealistic expectations of physical perfection encouraged by dating apps and wariness over date encouraged by dating apps and wariness over date rape. So, yeah, I mean all those things could be factoring in. I don't really know anyone who's like a straight woman who's afraid to go out with guys because they're afraid they'll get raped like Mm -hmm. most of those people i think just decide to not date men if they're if they like women at all (laughs) you know well if they have any flexibility there and they're afraid of guys raping them or just being like assholes or whatever treating them poorly um you know maybe they cross over to the other side if they like you know well, I they think, like women. Yeah, I think you're leading into something else that might throw statistics off, okay, on a lot of this, is that, you know, really with millennials, and I hate to even use that term, but with millennials, like, the nature of relationships are totally changing. I, I mean, like, they, they're very, very different. Uh, mm-hmm. And, in fact, there's a lot of stories out there, you know, talking about how millennials, you know, many of them, you know, it's polyamory. They're having, they have multiple partners and all this stuff. And it's yeah. like... You know, maybe the the number of sex partners you have is lessened because or sexual encounters you have is lessened because you're actually having sex with a whole bunch of people at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Well, just tossing it out there. But And, you know, the thing I said about the date rape, I don't mean to minimize it. It does happen. And oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, uh, yeah. common. Sure. Um, but I think there is more awareness about it right now. Yep. I just don't know if it's stopping anybody from going on heterosexual dates. You know what I mean? Like, they might be, if they might be, it might be a concern in the back of their mind that they're constantly kind of on guard against but mm. i don't know that it's stopping people from going out on dates yeah i mean i can see why a lot like like women would want and men want to get with men and women want to get with women um you don't have to go so far as date rape as to why i mean just like so many so many guys are jerks you know or <laughs> uh I, I i mean there's lots of reasons you know i know uh, dating can be really scary you know especially yeah. if you're uh, it can be really scary these days it's it's true sure um so listen to this. They okay. they found a they found they found a person that was perfect for this article. Okay. All right. Noah Patterson, 18, likes to sit in front of several screens simultaneously, a work project, a YouTube clip, and a video game. To shut it all down for a date or even a one-night stand seems like a waste. He says, "For an average date, you're going to spend at least 2 hours, and in that 2 hours, I won't be doing something I enjoy." <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wowie. It's not that he doesn't like women. He says, I enjoy their companionship, but it's not a significant part of life. Oh, said Patterson, a web designer in Bellingham, Washington. He's never had sex, although he likes porn. I'd rather be watching YouTube videos and making money. Sex, he said, is not going to be something people ask you for on your resume. So, Whoa. Uh, How he, bad have we gotten? I don't know. I like, mean, I think they is... just... <laughs> Whoa. Like... He's saying a bunch of different things there. One, he's saying he wants to make money and he's prioritizing that over dating. Two, he's saying, yeah, you know, it's just not worth it. Like, it's, you know, it's not going to be as fun as I as a guaranteed fun of watching videos he likes and playing games and things like that. <sighs> okay. That's a totally valid choice. Fine. You know, go for it. That's okay. Yeah. But, you know, if he doesn't brings... want to be dating, he shouldn't be out there in the dating pool. By but, no means. I mean, can you imagine okay. reading an OkCupid profile like this? Oh, yeah. You know, it's most dates I'm going to spend two hours away from my computer. And usually that's just not worth it for me. Like, OK, dude. But like, OK. All right. Hold on. Is this the level that productivity culture has gotten to <laughs> that now it's like, well, I can't put sex on a resume unless I'm working for a porn industry. So you yeah, know, for the I don't think that's so what, what's really going on. I mean, that, I think he's just making an excuse there. I think he just doesn't, whoa. it's not a priority for him and he expects that it's not going to be, it's not going to be as fun as the things he knows are fun and he's already doing. Now, let me tell not you something. Prioritizing you it. know how awesome it was when you added electricity to the horse and buggy? And you got rid of the horse. You know how awesome it was when you added electricity, uh, you know, to, to whatever. And instead you got to use light bulbs instead of candle. Sex is like electricity. You add it to anything. It instantly becomes better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, oh, oh, maybe I, some, I some of these folks don't know what they're missing because they've never had a, re a relationship that was really that wonderful. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I do. I, I like I'm, I'm baffled by this. It's valid. I don't mean to insult it. I apologize for that. But wow, I cannot even grasp that. Like, I know to, it feels like, very different to me. Like yeah. maybe it's because we're older millennials. Well, like I just got a picture <laughs> like of somebody saying to me, "Hey, do you want to have sex?" It's like, no, I have something better to do. Are you fucking kidding me? There's nothing better. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I All know. Right. I I think I would rather have good sex yeah. than sit in front of three computer screens 
watching YouTube videos. I don't know. I, Absolutely. Or have sex while doing that. But um, Right, do it both. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. Add it on. It's like, like George Costanza with the prime pastrami sandwich in Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. He always had to eat <laughs> whenever he had. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, and then they show some graphs and charts. One, one is showing that the percentage of high schoolers who have had sexual intercourse, so who have have had sex in 1991, it was 54 percent. In 2015, it's gone down to 41 percent. So it's gone down by 15 percent. Um, wow. The the number of high schoolers who have had sexual intercourse with four or more people. In 1991, that was 18.7 percent, and in 2015, it's 11.5 percent. So it's going down. So why did they choose four people as the cutoff? I don't really know. And how reliable are these self-reported things? I don't know. But does four people make you a slut in high school? I don't know. Whoa. (laughs) Is that what they think? No, I'm not saying I think it makes someone a slut. I just... No, I know. I know. Why did they choose four people as the cutoff? I don't know. I'm just saying I'm going to have to change my license plate. To what? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, what, I don't get it. What? What is? Can you explain you know, that? No, there's thing? like people that have slut for their license plate, and then you'd have to. Oh, I've never seen I, that. I, well, all right. Well, anyway. <laughs> Jesus Christ! If you have more to go, I, I have kind of a theory here, but, but but keep going if you got more. Um. Okay. Go, go ahead with your theory. Yeah, that's more interesting. So okay. So there's there seems to be a dividing line. That's if I'm buying into the research and premise. Okay. There's mm-hmm. this dividing line between millennials. There's millennials that grew up in the 80s, maybe early 90s, and then there's millennials yeah. that are fucking everything. Yes, else. Yes, that have okay. the internet. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, right. No. There's, seriously, there's the millennials that didn't have the internet during their childhood and adolescence, and then there's the millennials who did. Yeah. Well, this is. I'll, I'll say first off, this is really bolstering my theory that, uh, and I've said this on sex and science are before that the millennials that the people not just millennials the people that lived half their life without the internet and half of it with are the people that are going to save the world from everybody else (laughs) okay (laughs) from you know the ones that either didn't or the ones that have always had it uh but whatever anyway that's a very self-serving theory yes um but here's here's my theory is that look just look at 80s and early 90s everything pre-nirvana Okay, pre pre Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, before everybody started getting crippling depression and heroin addiction. Exactly. Before everybody was like <laughs> wanting to off themselves yeah. for whatever reason. Okay. And it became cool to do to, that. To do that even and wear flannel or something. Um yeah. you know, okay. Flannel was before, the downfall. Yeah, it was. Um so before that, not that I can't pull off flannel, but before um because <laughs> it's black. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh I said I was gonna be pulling it off, not that I was gonna be, oh, you know, that's pull, right. Yeah. Pulling it off of somebody else. <laughs> Woo! Uh so anyway, the <laughs> entertainment culture in general was really having this kind of renaissance where it was saying Sex is okay. Having fun is okay. Excess is best. Fucking live it up. You know, I mean, you know, Motley Crue, you know, you go down yeah, the list. Yeah, the economy of all... was booming. You know, people were spending all money. Wa- but there the was... 80s, they had shoulder pads and power sure. ties and things like that. Oh, yeah. So so you had you had kind of this, this cultural narrative that was getting pushed that was like, no, your job in life is to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think. You know, the millennials that grew up in that, I mean, even as babies getting bombarded with this message. Oh, yeah, because it sticks when you're that young, even though you don't consciously understand it. You get it. You get the message through culture. Right. And and going to ridiculous, you know, uh, uh, you know, going to extremes and all that is totally fine. I mean, folks, you don't understand. We had turtles eating pizza and shooting out you know a sewer you know covers from from a van or something i mean yeah. like that's that we were we were told fuck that's okay <laughs> you know like well you can do that yeah and so then you get the generation that suddenly takes a nosedive 
after all of that greatness, after all of that, you know, just saying, look, it's all right. Be happy. Yeah. Go wild, man. You know, fruit roll-ups. Absolutely. You eat this fruit roll-up. You're going to green juice. That's yeah, like flavor. You're going like to do flips and hand plants off of, you know, off the, the half pipe. It's yeah, going to be phenomenal when you do true. that, you know, and, and, and then suddenly like reality didn't settle in depression set in on everybody. And so, so if there's this other half of, and it's not the real, I don't think the economy is, 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 the, is has anything to do with that. I, I, my point being is that there are two the that there is there are a, two types of millennials. There are two types of millennials. One of them got a very different narrative yeah. than the other. The mm-hmm. one narrative was live it up, baby. Mm-hmm. The other narrative was everything's fucking terrible. All right. <laughs> and and you know what? And and it, the fact that this other half isn't having sex, oh, what a shock. You know, you know, I mean, like, like they weren't even told that it was okay probably to do that. Yeah, I know. That's why it's so arbitrary what they define as a generation, right? Because like, yeah. there's there really are two different breeds of millennials. Yeah, absolutely. And the generational, you know, cutoff should be defined by the prevalence of internets and yeah. phones and things like that. There's there's fifty there's people in their fifties I get along with far better than I get along with people my, you know, either, you know, maybe a little less than my age or something because they experienced that same narrative. I think that I experienced where it was like, no, it's okay to have a good fucking time, a real good time. <laughs> you know? So the article corroborates your theory, Brian, yes. among millennials, it says the effects were most dramatic among those born in the mid 1990s and later. The, the first cohort to come of age when smartphones were ubiquitous. Damn. And the, they're talking about the effects of having fewer sexual partners, fewer sexual experiences, putting off sex until later. Um, this is interesting. Baby boomers, on average, report having had 11 sexual partners. Um, Generation X was 10 and millennials is eight. So the, so the number of sexual partners is going down. I don't know if this was like by age 18 or whatever, yeah. or, or by a certain age, because some millennials aren't, old enough to have had a lot like they're not the same age as the baby boomers right so yeah what if they get more sexual partners in their 40s and 50s anyway um (laughs) so has sex declined because people are not meeting in person says the article perhaps in part but online life can also affect offline life in more subtle ways especially when potential mates can disappear forever with the swipe of a thumb It ends up putting a lot of importance on physical appearance, and that, I think, is leaving out a large section of the population, said a professor of psychology at San Diego State University. For a lot of folks who are of average appearance, marriage and stable relationships was where they were having sex. Unlike in face-to-face meetings where you can, quote, seduce someone with your charm, she said, dating apps are all, quote, leaving people with fewer choices, and they might be reluctant to search for partners at all. Because sure. they're they're judging them primarily on their appearance, not by things like their voice or their um, sense of humor or like any qualities that don't come through from just a picture. Yeah, tons of subconscious things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, height, smell, like lot. I mean, and I oh, mean, smell yeah. potentially in a positive way. Yep. Um, there's so many things that. Yeah, I I I hate Skype and dating apps. I'm just putting that out there. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that. Do you think that might have something to do with like, you know, when you do like I've, there are so many blogs and websites out there with just filled with these horrible, nasty messages that men send women on dating apps? Yep. Do you think that might be just because they never learned how to actually talk to someone in person? Well, I mean, on dating apps, what are they treating people as? Swipes. Yeah, They're completely meat. dehumanized. Yes. Yep. I mean, you're literally a swipe. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that person, swipe. That person, swipe. You know, I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I, it doesn't shock me that they treat them like animals, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So I think we've pretty much covered this article. Do you want to wrap up here? 
Loner, yeah, I think that's got it. Loner, we hope we we answered your question or addressed the article. Um, I think we came up with some pretty interesting theories. I mean, I don't know what to do about it. It might be just an interesting social, sociological trend. But, of yeah. course, the, the end of the day, we all have control over what we prioritize in life, right? Like, right? we can pursue relationships. We think that'll make us happy. We can per- choose to focus on work. I mean, as long as it's coming from within and it's what you want to do, I think being intentional about it, like this article said, is yeah, the key. Yeah, I, I love intentionality all the way. With a, with the ultimate goal being happiness, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because who doesn't want to be happiness? The goal to, in life is to be happy. Who doesn't want to be happiness? Who doesn't want to be happy? Happiness. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> happiness. Yeah. That's uh, going to be the name of the show. Happiness. So, so, ha- so happy Friday, everybody. Thanks Ooh. for tuning in. We'll be back at you next week sexandsciencehour.com Stay tuned for the after show It's coming up You've just heard Sex and Science Hour Game over Play again next week show this week. That's okay. We had a lot to cover. Was it longer? It felt longer. I it felt was. Like... It was about an hour and ten minutes. You so let me Sex talk and much. Science Hour and Ten. All right. No, I didn't. Well, uh, I love it when you talk. Well, I love it when you talk, but I just, Aww. boy, I can rant. What a circle jerk, isn't it? I we never need a circle to jerk it, thank you. <laughs> no, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Brian, um, this is the part of the show where we talk about, um, well, we're, we're making money on this show without steam it. Now, yes. you could say we're not much better because we're using Amazon to make money. No, that's but... <laughs> totally legit. <laughs> I think it's a creative way to monetize the show, and it's going okay so far. Yeah, we it's got a fine way to do sh- it. shopping through our, our stuff.sexandsciencehour.com link, yeah. which you can find at our website if you forget it, uh, sexandsciencehour.com. You can find all of our shows there. You can find season one of Sex and Science Hour, which is 19 or 20 shows, all wrapped up for you in a nice bow a playlist. You could put it on and walk away from your computer and listen to it all night, baby. Yeah. You would probably go for, oh boy, uh, at least a day. There's there's more than 24 hours of content there's there. A lot. I know that. There's a lot. So. <laughs> Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com, though, if yes. you want to get your hands on. I mean, yeah, I just want to- you want to get your hands on Amazon stuff, on Amazon you've got to finish that sentence. Because if people are new, if they're just tuning in, what we do with this show, we don't have advertisers right now. We mm-hmm. may in the future, but probably not. I mean, if this works out fine. Uh, the way, And we do accept donations, and thank you very much. We take yes. Bitcoin. We take PayPal through our website at sexandsciencehour.com. We got a little donation last week that made my day. It was really nice. Yeah, very nice. Um, on PayPal. So thank you for the person who did that. Um, but basically, we're trying to um, monetize the show and also create content for our after show. At the same time. By doing an Amazon affiliate link. 
Yeah. And you can go there and shop and it'll tell us what you bought. It won't tell us who you are, but we can be little voyeurs on your life and everybody <laughs> else listening can. And we'll talk about your stuff that you got on the after show. And it's, you know, it's more entertaining than you'd think it is, right? Because <laughs> yeah. even if someone buys like a pair of socks, we find a way to make it sexy and fun. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if I- you want to be on our after show, you just all you have to do is just go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and do your normal shopping on Amazon and we'll eventually talk about your stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a totally legitimate way to to fund something, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, be- I think so. Because at the end of the day, you know, you end up with something in your hand. You know, the listener ends up with whatever they bought, right. you know, on, on Amazon, which is generally a very legitimate thing. I mean, it's not like a steam it where you're going to end up with a steaming pile of, uh, I mean, oh! where, where you're, you know, where you're going to end up with. They, their marketing department rewards. really should have thought of that, I think. Yeah, there's questionable rewards, uh, in my opinion, if you go <laughs> oh, that Oh, that was route. funny. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, now I'm not going to be able to think of anything else when I hear that name. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Well, Thanks, Obama. <laughs> it's going to be the name of tomorrow's episode of Sovereign Tech. I already wrote it down earlier, so I kind of had that that primed. But go ahead. All right. <laughs> okay. So we have a budding Spanish speaker in our audience, and oh, fantastic. now maybe this is someone. I'm imagining this is somebody who, um, like expatriated from the u.s to mexico Uh and wants to get a jump on their spanish and you know i i have a confession to make i'm a voice actor you can find my website at smvoice.info that's my other project okay that's well actually that's my main bread and butter Mm -hmm. sex and science hour is a side project it's your side (laughs) piece it's my piece on the side that's right Um, but i'm a voice actor and i love Spanish voiceover. I love how over the top it is when you're in Mexico and you turn on the radio and they're like, Sabado, Sabado, Domingo. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a little bit racist. But, you know, they just, everything is so expressive and excited. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just... It's really cool, especially they have a lot of male announcers and they have these bombastic voices. And yep. it's kind of rare to hear a female announcer like that. But the male announcers are just so freaking cool. Yeah. And, you know, I speak a little bit of Spanish. I'm not super fluent, but I can get by if I go to Mexico or something. And uh, I would like to become more fluent in Spanish. I probably should install Duolingo on my phone. But you then just again, reminded me of that. I need to do that. Oh, you. what are you going to learn French? Well, cause they, well, there's French, but they updated. They added Hebrew. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. (laughs) The reason I'm shaking my head is because I was kind of, I had that language sort of forcibly installed in my brain when I was a kid. We got, being Janish, growing up up Janish, we went to Hebrew school and we got, we learned how to read Hebrew. But it yeah. wasn't, it was not an unschooling experience. It wasn't fun. I, it, it was not done with the joy of a small child feeding a hungry duck. Yeah, the and desire was not from the inside. No, it was uh, more like a rabbi stands over you with the stopwatch and says, you're not reading fast enough, go faster, even yep. though your poor little kid brain is very tired. Anyway, so... Anyway. Um, <laughs> I... I, I think I could still read Hebrew, but I don't know what any of it means. I don't know any conversational well, they don't, Hebrew. Well, they don't teach it to us don't for us to, to know what yeah. it means. They just want us to like... It's so you can form the sounds of the words, I guess, in Hebrew yeah. when you're saying the Janish prayers. But um, that I, I sort of had been left with a negative experience on that particular yes. language. But Spanish... Um, Really fun. I learned Spanish in high school. Pechos. And for my, for my senior project, my best friend and I 
Um, <laughs> we, I think we each had to write our own story, but the senior thesis in Spanish class was to write a story about, like a short story, 10,000 words or something, yeah. about um, anything that you choose, but it had to be in Spanish. Okay. Okay. So I wrote, my story was about uh, a yak farm in <laughs> in somewhere in Latin America. I don't remember where. A yak farm in a Spanish-speaking country in South America. And the yak farm was invaded by a Yeti, a rogue Yeti that came down from the mountains. Like it might've been Peru or it might've been. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. Like came down from the Nazca lines or something. (laughs) Um, And the Yeti comes down and it crashes through the gate of the yak farm and it's going after the yaks. And the farmer's like, ay Dios mio, (laughs) we have to protect these yaks. And and the farmer's trying to get rid of this Yeti and protect the yaks at the same time, but he's kind of short staffed and he doesn't have the manpower power to or the woman power to really overcome this yeti and then uh-huh. eventually he like talks to the yeti and the yeti can talk back and it was a cute it was a super cute story I, I should really yeah listen up yeti <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i i wish i could find this story i probably have it somewhere on like a cd-rom or something somewhere because mm. that was about the era when i wrote it but it, yeah. i had such a blast writing that story so anyway somebody is trying to learn spanish i want to learn spanish so i can do spanish voiceover sure. i don't know if i'd ever be very good at it or if i don't know even know if it's appropriate because i'm white you know maybe i should just not maybe i should just stay out of it you know and leave it to the real spanish-speaking people um and not try to take their jobs right right yes (laughs) so so i don't know i'm conflicted but for fun and for getting around in spanish-speaking countries i would like to learn better spanish so maybe i could take a key from this listener or take a tip from the listener um who ordered a bunch of spanish books they got madrigals madrigals magic key to spanish a creative and proven approach and we made a 60 cent commission off of that so thank you very much oh yeah um they also got practice makes perfect spanish pronouns and prepositions premium third edition and then they also got punto y aparte spanish in review moving toward fluency and we made eight cents off of that sounds great yes this is awesome um so (laughs) thank you very much i hope your spanish learning goes well let me know how it goes um yeah, uh, curious to hear a follow up on that if you want to if you want to tell us and if you recommend these books I'll get them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, though not through our own link because Amazon will cancel our account if we use our own link that's to buy right. things. So can't that's a no no. Cannot do that. Um, <laughs> Ixnay on the ombre. Ixnay on the link. Okay. Um, somebody is also interested in paleo stuff. They got Paleo Recipes Magazine 2016. Oh, nice. And they got Practical Paleo, a customized approach to health and a whole foods lifestyle. How cool Who writes is that? that? Well, does it say the author? Uh, you're going to put me on the spot because oh, I'm going to have shit. to open it up. It's a, it will say the author. You're I just... on the spot. Now dance. Oh. Well, you know, we dance every time. And by the way, I heard from a couple of people who said they dance every time we we have our show music open up the show. The horizontal polka? Maybe. Mm -hmm. They didn't they weren't that specific. So so who wrote um, Practical Paleo? It's looks like Rob Wolf did the foreword and the author is Diane Sanfili Diane Sanfilippo. Yeah, yeah. Which I think she's been on Healthy Mind Fit Body podcast. Oh, how nice. Yes. Um so that looks great. Um I bet that's really good recipe. So send us food pics, show at sexandsciencehour.com. That's right. 
it's write us an email in Spanish and we'll try not to use Google Translate. And uh, <laughs> with love of follow up on those. I'll use Bing Translate for Microsoft <laughs> what? Translate. Bing, Bing sucks. Why would you use? Do they even have a translator? Yeah, it's a great one. It's the only one that can use Klingon thanks to copyright laws. Well, Yay. okay, that gets some bonus points exactly. in my mind. So, okay, in the cell phones and accessory uh, department, someone bought a car charger power drive, too, for Apple iPhone 6S. Sorry to hear that. I mean, that's great. That's Thank you. <laughs> oh, that was so passive aggressive. <laughs> this is basically a cigarette adapter with USB things that you can plug your iPhone into. Something like that. Oh, it's not just for iPhone. It's for it's for everything. Oh, okay. Um, right. It well, looks like fine. just regular USB ports. So why did they say iPhone? Probably for because SEO. Because it sells. Yeah, because it sells. That's right. <sighs> Fucking scam. All right, yeah. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I hope it charges up your... I hope it gives you a charge, listener. Yes. No, thank you for thank buying you that. Thank you for I'm, buying I'm it. I'm just being Thank you for the 36 cents we yes. made off that. Um, <laughs> uh, so in the computer department... Somebody got insurance, like a protection plan for their computer. It's a PC, three-year PC protection plan. We also had a Samsung 64-gigabyte USB 3.0 flash drive duo. So I guess two of them. And then we had a Kismart USB charging cable cord replacement charger for Fitbit. So somebody wants to charge their Fitbit and their iPhone, potentially. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Brian, now I was trying to troll you brian actually you're trying I, to get a rise out. I See, was, i'm trying to be nice and then you oh, yeah you're trying really hard <laughs> usually brian has nothing nice to say about a fitbit or an iphone <sighs> yeah, yeah I, I, what fits just just say it brian just say it what about no, the I, I, I end up in a whole tirade over these things you know i mean they they don't work like, like, yeah. like when you're as a sleep tracker, it's been proven that it doesn't know, you know, it doesn't know whether you were sleeping or spending a night in a discotheque, you know, to use a little <laughs> Spanish there for you. Uh, I, I mean, what? That's not Spanish. Discotheque. Is it? Isn't that what, isn't that what you call a dance club in, in Spain? I've been to Barcelona. I know how this works. <laughs> I don't know. It's a discotheque. I, that, okay. That, a listener, you can prove me right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes English words for things are used in Spanish-speaking countries. <laughs> Nobody calls anything a discotheque in the U. But didn't they used to in the 70s? Disco clubs, maybe? I don't I don't think I've ever heard discotheque in this yeah, country. All right. Yeah, Fitbits don't know what you're really doing. Like, they're terrible at tracking most of what people really want to use them for. That's my opinion. It's not just my opinion. There's evidence backed behind that. But please... Enjoy your Fitbit. <laughs> okay. If it makes you feel good. Yes. Go for that it. Is, that is, that is, you cannot put a price on happiness. No, it's true. I mean, there's not a lot of scientific evidence to support the Fitbit, but I don't know. Some, some people really like to have those statistics. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, in fact, I just, am, I'm concerned it would become like a tracking collar kind of thing. I, I well, would feel like more like a livestock if I wore that. There's that. And then there's also, I've talked about, about this on my show, Sovereign Tech, your Fitbit data as bad as it is, has been used against people in a court of law. Yeah, that's right. Uh, why would you give the government any more ammo, you know, against you in the court of law? That is that is insane. Well, I guess you, you are by carrying your cell phone around as well. Yeah, but I mean, just to add on. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, it was bad. And it was. And it's not securely was stored. It's going up into the cloud. It's being used by companies, governments, yeah, for anybody, for anything. whoever. Yeah. Now, I know a couple listeners of the show personally who have Fitbits. You're great people. Just I'm just sharing my opinion. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Yes, we always have to disclaim it with no matter what, 
if you listen to the show, you're wonderful. You're, <laughs> we like you. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, what did people get? Yeah, Hemla, I love that sex and science hour. It's a wow. What what an endorsement. Sorry I'm from sh- from Hitler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why did you even go there? Why? Like, what's the point? Seriously. And you're cracking yourself up. Look at you over there. You can't even talk into the mic. You are cracking yourself up with your Hitler jokes. You can delete it if you want. I just, sorry. You know, we watched this Curb Your Enthusiasm last night about about the, about Larry gets a birthday present for his wife and it's a concert. It's... It's Wagner. It's a song by Wagner. <laughs> Which Wagner is and was Hitler's favorite composer. Right. And this know. Jewish guy's in the movie theater. He hears him whistling Wagner and he goes, what a bad Jew. I can't <laughs> believe you're I can't believe you're whistling Wagner. Don't you know that millions of Jews were marched to the concentration camps to those songs? And then but then. But uh, then Larry David, you know, at the end, he goes, is outside the guy's house. With, he's conducting an orchestra playing, the playing Wagner right outside the guy's bedroom window. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible. All right. Uh, <sighs> curve your enthusiasm. If you haven't seen it, it's really what funny. a wonder. Oh. What a wonder. They're coming out with a new season. That's yeah, why we're season. watching the whole thing again. Yeah. I can't believe he like because he was saying he's not going to do a ninth season. He's like, nope, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. This was like years ago when he did the the season with the blacks. When they moved. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and <laughs> so I could just see him saying it, just like, no, I'm not doing another season. What are you talking about? Yeah, it, you know, no, just, no, there's no other season. No, what's the no, season? No, no, no season. I'm done. I'm done with television. No, yeah. it's over. It's over. And then, yeah, he, then, and then somebody he just back, says, yeah. yeah, and somebody says, well, we're going to get a, you know, this person. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Good old Larry David. Yeah. Did, that movie that he was in, um, Clear, Clear History. History, that was pretty funny. Hilarious. I like that. Hilarious. Hilarious. Um, anyway. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. So somebody got Toothco Premium Standard Replacement Toothbrush Heads for Philips Sonicare Brush. So these are like, I guess, cheaper knockoffs of uh, of the Philips Sonicare official toothbrush heads. Oh, that's which, nice. Which, by the way, I've bought them. And okay, I have a gripe because they don't always fit on the toothbrush. Damn. Even the official ones that are, are saying big? they're going to fit on. No, they just, they go down like most of the way onto the little metal yeah. thing that conducts the vibrations and they don't go down the rest of the way. Yeah. And maybe I, I'm supposed to put a washer on it or something to like what? show whose toothbrush it is. Because you can have two toothbrushes and then you put, put a washer on that's a different color so you know whose toothbrush it is. What are you, are you brushing your teeth or fixing the sink? Like what, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't have to put a washer on it. I don't know. All right. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but maybe I should try no, the Toothco Premium. Yeah, there brand. we go. It's the number one bestseller in battery powered toothbrushes. So, hmm. and you would love this, Brian, because it's black. Oh, that is cool. It has black and it has blue bristles and it's black and white. And um, it's way blacker than the other toothbrushes that we've got. Well, the other ones that? have white and blue. This is blue, black, and white. I like it. So, yeah, it's, it looks pretty cool. Happy toothbrushing to you. Oh, by the way, we talked about flossing on the show today. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned my pick was the Opal Picks. Oh, yeah. My my pick of Amazon stuff was these things called Opal Picks, which are like little swords that you stab between your teeth. And they have like a texture that kind of files away any goo or plaque that's been in there. And so um, I just wanted to mention those again. Those were great. You can get a 
three pack of like 60 of them for like 11 bucks or something. Awesome. So, cheap, fun. It's a good time. If you don't want to have sex, you might as well pick your teeth, right? Yeah, what the hell? Um, somebody got my favorite headphones, the ones that we're wearing right now on this very show. Ah. Sony MDR 7506 professional large diaphragm headphones. These are the gold standard for, for radio broadcasting. And they've been the gold standard for decades. Yeah. Like, I they're mean, just such good headphones. They're yeah. so good. You don't realize until you get a good microphone or until you develop the ears for it, I guess, mm-hmm. how important good headphones are because... They don't like cheap, shitty headphones. Don't have the fr- the same range of frequencies that yeah. um, that the big good headphones do. Yeah, and so you can't hear all the sounds, and you, the quality is not good, and the they don't isolate you from other sounds, so you can't tell if your background sounds are on the recording or somewhere else. And yep, no, no matter you can go into you know million dollar studios, and they're using these these headphones. I mean, they are just the best yep. and they don't cost too much. Either. No, I mean, no, they're only, bucks. they're 80 bucks, 79 bucks, yeah. um, worth every penny. Absolutely. Um, I think even if you were listening to music, Oh, they're great for these that. These are good I've, for that too. I've taken them on airplanes and, and they, they're they comfortable. Great. That's the big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Like they have these soft pads. I'm pushing on them right now. I don't know if you can hear this, but nope. they have these soft pads. <laughs> it's only in my own head. <laughs> they have these soft pads that go around your ears. They block out other sounds, but yet they're cool and comfortable. Yeah. And you you can wear them all day. I wear them all day every day. So uh, there we go. Sony 7506 headphones. They're awesome. The best. Somebody got something that I don't expect. This is like kind of a blast from the past. It's an Avery CD DVD design kit and it's labels and inserts that you can print like a label for a CD on. So maybe somebody's making like mix CDs or is labeling their DVDs. I don't know. This is interesting. So I, I used to spend a lot of time with CDs and DVDs, uh-huh. put it that way. And like there were there were labeling kits. Uh-huh. And you know what used to happen? I wonder if this causes the same thing. I, I didn't look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there used to be like self-adhesive labeling ones. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. And you would put them onto the top of the DVD. But what would happen is, is that when you'd play the DVD, it would heat up and it would actually warp the disc because the sticker or the oh, adhesive would, would start melting and it would like it would it would actually make the disc bend just enough oh my to where your drives couldn't read it. So be careful <laughs> out there. Yeah, be careful out there. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, free Don't tip let from the your Golden DVDs Stallion. warp. That's right. Uh, <laughs> somebody got some more dog food, the kind that they always feed their dog. Blue Buffalo Light Protection Dry Adult Dog Food. Mm, Sweet. Tasty. Yeah, you know. Did we tell the story on the show? I can't remember if we've ever told this, but I I order grass-fed meat online sometimes from okay. U.S. Wellness Meats, from Slankers, Slankers Grass-Fed. I think it was U.S. Wellness Meats that this happened to. And We did tell I'm, the story. I'm going to get my... Okay. <laughs> okay. So we told the story, but we can tell it again. Basically, okay. I ate dog food or something that was labeled as dog food, yeah. but I don't think it was really dog. Yeah. And it tasted just fine. It was basically organ meat from grass-fed cows and right. mixed with ground beef. And Awful from the it cows. It used to be sold as human food, and then it was sold as pet food, and I ate the pet food. I may or may not have eaten the pet food. Okay, I, let's just put it that way. One of these days, I want to try a can of Fancy Feast. Yeah. I'm I just got to know. curious about it. I don't yeah, know. I just got to know. Just don't get the one that they put, like weed in i don't know yeah but like on like on the commercials i remember growing up like that looked so good i was just like oh my god that looks fantastic <laughs> it was getting you right yeah, it's, it's supposed like, to get you hungry right I mean, it's supposed to get your your cat hungry but it got you hungry yeah you don't yeah. even have a cat i'll try it sometime take a video you know i'll put it yeah. up on youtube yeah that would be 
Get some Put views. it on Steam it. Maybe Put you'll it make eight thousand dollars from your cat food for video. eating cat food. Go figure. That would probably work. Of course, then I'd cash out and I'd crash the whole fucking system, you know, and <laughs> and then uh, you know. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe you'll be able to afford more than cat food if you post maybe. it there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> What's what do we got next? Um, Let's do a couple, just maybe one or two more. You know. Uh, yeah, there there only is like a couple more. So now what we're doing is going back because a couple of weeks ago we didn't get to everything, but we had a couple of sex items that I wanted to talk Woo! about. So um, we had Joe H two O flavored lube in Cool Mint five point two five ounces. Hey, right now. Have you ever tried a flavored lube? You have to yes. be really careful not to get ones with sugar in them because mm. that is not, that's a no no. You don't the want vagina. that in the vagina. You don't want it in any orifices. Yeah. You know, that's just a recipe for bacteria. It's yeah. not meant to have sugar on your body in those places except your mouth and yeah. then it gets digested. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, on Sex and Science Hour, we recommend coconut oil for all things. Uh, but um, coconut oil is great, almond oil, avocado yeah. oil. But, um, uh, but the, yeah, no, no, I've, I've tried some jet fuel, stuff. you know. Sure. Jet fuel, <laughs> no. MCT jet, oil. Jet you fuel mean? is what I call M- MCT oil because yeah, yeah, yeah. it reminds me of jet fuel. <laughs> it tastes like it. Yeah, I don't know about using MCT oil as lube, but it's probably fine. I mean, I don't know. I feel like so. Paul Joannides is constantly saying lubes are not regulated by the FDA, so they can literally put anything in that shit, even if it's like motor oil, and then say it. Oh, it's premium lube, and you don't know like if it's good for your body. I mean, there's a lot of like organic lubes and all all natural ingredients and stuff, but not every lube is like that. And yeah, I kind of, I mean, I kind of, kind of agree with that. Like my favorite lube, um, that's not like an oil, a natural vegetable Uh oil is, um, wet platinum and that's a silicon based lube. And, but I look at the ingredients and I'm like, eh, can you even I, read them? Like, is that no? It's like siloxymethane dihydrohexyl. Do better ethamide. than I would. And I took courses in organic chemistry, and I still <laughs> can't pronounce this shit. So, I mean, I I don't feel especially good about putting it on my intimate bits. Yeah. Um, but it is a great lube, and it works with condoms, and it stays fine. And I mean, hmm. not, I use Mobile One. Like I, right. I, I just slather yeah. on mobile one, like all over my cock. Just make sure just... to change it every 3000 strokes, right? <laughs> I don't use mobile one, please. Don't no, do we're that. just kidding about that. But no, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I do love the natural oils. Um, if you get, here's a tip. Um, I looked this up once cause we got a question on the show. If you get, um, polyurethane condoms, mm-hmm. uh, I believe those are compatible with oils and there's, there's a, a person who did an experiment, like it was a blogger, admittedly, so not the not like a peer-reviewed study, but this blogger took a bunch of different condoms, put coconut oil all over them, then blew them up like a balloon to stress them. And that's the test that they usually do with condoms to see the failure rate, the breakage rate and stuff. Right. Um, and they found that the condom with the coconut oil on it actually was not weakened by the coconut oil. Hmm. Now, I don't know how long it was on there or anything like that. I guess maybe the normal duration of sex, you know, like no more than an hour, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they didn't find any difference in the coconut oil. So I, I really don't know. I mean, if, if it's something you're going to do anyway and you have to use coconut oil or oil-based lube and you don't have any other lubes that work for you, you hate water-based and silicon-based, just you can't put that in your body. If you have to do that, I mean, probably 
doing that with a condom is better than not using a condom. But I don't know. I mean, they they always say that those oils weaken condoms. So I don't know. It's an open scientific question. Yeah. So last couple things. Somebody got a bag of tricks. They got sensory brushes, a bag of 12. And they're like these little brushes that you can brush people's skin with. Oh. And so they say they say they can be used for like autistic kids, like you brush their skin and it calms them down or something like that mm. if they have sensory overload or sensory processing issues. But I think this person bought it for sex. I'm just just a hunch. I don't know. It could be for an autistic kid. I'm not sure. But I feel very can, weird. right You now. can tell us. I mean, it, it feels good to, to do skin brushing. I've been experimenting with that lately. Sure. And I, I'm not autistic. At least I don't think so. So <laughs> anyway. Um, and then we had a uh, carbon monoxide detector and a two-year toy protection plan. So thank you very much for shopping through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who listens, and we'll see you next time. Woo!